matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. That would be myself, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and my co-host, Todd Miller. So, Todd, we had a lovely, fun, chilling, thrilling, <laughs> exasperating time at the Comic-Con this past weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping you'd mention that. Uh, we did have a good time. It was uh, it was funny, you know, and, and nothing against any of the stars that were there, but there was some miscommunication, I think, with some of the stars about what we were actually trying to do. And uh, uh, I found it a little, um, as you said, I don't know if you use tedious, but um, it was uh, it was hard. We were trying to get some some interviews and put a focus on on good things that the celebrities are doing these days. And I found it was uh, difficult to nail some of them down. And for those that we did talk to, they gave us exceptional interviews, which you shall be hearing, folks, um, at a later date, which will be part of a show. And as we say, nothing is too good or not good enough for us to talk about on the show, as long as it relates, relates to some mental health issue, social issue, or something that you really feel that has a heart of the matter. Yeah, I don't want everyone to think that every week we're going to be getting into, uh, you know, uh, depression or bipolar. I mean, it's it's interesting because we talk about so much that, that can have a positive or negative impact on your uh, mental well-being it doesn't necessarily need to relate to psychiatry or psychology but it does relate to like the social condition the homo the human condition where things like um just this wonderful sense of community that we experienced on the weekend where all of these people um come together to feel part of something bigger and share their experiences and just feel uh, part of a community and it was wonderfully uh, refreshing to be there yeah, absolutely. And as um, some of you know, I was there in a, a, a twofold capacity uh, as part of the show, um, speaking on behalf of um, individuals that wanted to discuss um, inspirational topics, um, mental health topics, and we tapped into the stars to get their ideas on that. And also with my, uh, I can actually say it, Canadian hit TV show series, um, <laughs> Niagara's Most Haunted, I was kind of thrown for a loop for a minute because we had a blast at our booth and I must say from some of the reviews I've got and the comments I've got, we were probably the most photobombed booth there given to our of our great actors slash actress, um, Trina Harris Gardner and of course Buck, David Buck Rogers, who actually made the front page of the Niagara Falls Review the next day in full color. Yeah, thank you for sharing that on Facebook. For those of us that don't live in the area, we got to see the photo. And uh, Buck looked a little scary. And at one point, uh, I know, um, was it Trina? Yes. She was sitting with, uh, I would say, maybe a seven-month-old baby. And uh, the, the father just plopped the baby in her lap. And the baby was looking up at her. I was a little scared of her and Buck. But <laughs> this kid was just having a field day, smiling and playing. And then the dad pulled the baby and stood it up. And, and she was just having a field day with them. No fear and just, just you know, enjoying the experience. Absolutely. And it was, it, was, it was a great time. And I think it's, you know, as you say, Todd, it was a great place for people to express themselves, express their, you know, if you want to say their youth, their childhood, 
um, and their free spirit. And what's interesting about that, and we were talking with individuals like uh, Joey Panaliano, a guest we've had on our show, our buddy, um, Scott Wilson from, you know, The Walking Dead, as well as um, Hit when he was on CSI, and I believe now he's on Durham County, correct me if I'm wrong, and some other great ones. Uh, especially Jason Priestley. And one of the things we threw out there, Todd, we were talking about is media in terms of movies, television, and, you know, what's good, what's taboo, which kind of ties into our show today, free speech. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I also know, too, that I could sense when we were talking to some of the stars, they walk a very fine line being a public and a, and a personal person or persona. I mean, they really have to not keep their opinions to themselves, but they have to walk a fine line because it's it's hard to just throw it all out there and maybe alienate a portion of your fans or, you know, start a controversy by expressing an opinion. And God bless them. You know, some of them do. They just come right out and say, this is what I'm thinking about that. Like Joe. I mean, Joe, is, there's no filter with Joe. Joe just comes out and says what he's feeling, what he's experienced, and that's great. And there are others that you could just sense that we're trying to draw it out of them. What do you feel about this? And, you know, what what, what are your thoughts? And, and you just sense that that hesitation that they're afraid to share for whatever reason. Absolutely. And you know what? I can, you know, we have our, our guest coming on shortly, uh, Hubert Crouch, who is a uh, tremendous author. He's also a longtime lawyer, best-selling author, um, basically writes in the same vein as John Grisham. And we'll be talking to him about this, but I guess the question I'll ask you, Todd, since you're a radio uh, guy, um, in today's day and age, what is free speech? How far can an individual go to express themselves with it being their freedom of speech, their right? I also walk a very fine line because um, I can't personally influence the opinion of the station because there are, are a lot of people that are part of the station, and I don't feel it's uh, proper for my opinion to be the opinion of others. So the, the, the stations need to have a, an independent opinion about social issues. Uh, so my politics never creep in there. But that being said... It is a fine line to be able to talk about social issues. Um, you know, are, do we just throw the gauntlet down and say everything is discussable and, and opinions are just out there um, and uh, so be it? And we face the backlash perhaps from people. Or is there someone that says, you know what, there's a line, whoever that someone is, is it a group of people, a group of scholars? Uh, universities, I don't know, far edu more educated people than I, to say what you just said crossed a line and you should be punished or censored in some manner. So that's that's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with, you know, do we just allow all of it, whether it's hateful, whether it's uh, persecuting some member of society because it falls under free speech, or do we as a collective society sit back and say, okay, these seven things are okay to talk about. These three we can't. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting about that is with the advent of social media, online social media like Facebook and Twitter, and Twitter definitely because it's oftentimes a marketing campaign, people use it within that regards and it is blasted around the world. However, Facebook, in my opinion, has like a double-edged sword because some people use it to market, get out there and really push their selves. 
And then there's others that use it for friends. And there's and then you get the mix where you have both friends, colleagues, and people that don't know you, and they might be in the media. And you get a lot of venting and free speech on Facebook, almost like it's, you know, your, how do we say? A diary, a, a blog, you know. Yes, except you're sitting around with folks having beers or coffee or drinks, and sometimes you've had too much to drink, and sometimes you're saying a little too much, but once you put it out there, it's out there. So I guess the question then is, folks, how far is too far even on Facebook? Well, you, you touched upon an interesting point because it is called social media. So by that definition, anyone that has a social media account for all intents and purposes, becomes part of the media, the greater media. You know, I have as much power, theoretically, as the Huffington Post, the Toronto Star, uh, the London Daily Mirror, whoever, whatever the paper is, I have as much power to get out there and express my opinion or publish some quote-unquote news and and have people read it and comment on it, whether it's informed, ill-informed, not informed at all. You know, I have that same power. So we have to treat it very carefully because we have as much exposure, potential exposure, as any legitimate, credible news source. Absolutely. And when we come back, we are going to have our wonderful guest. We've been actually waiting for an attorney to get on our show due to scheduling. Hubert Crouch, who is a best-selling author and longtime lawyer. We'll be right back. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Peter Andrew Sacco, and do you have technological rage? Oh yeah, the new rage of anger. Download my new book today, Technological Rage, on my website, www.petersacco.com, and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today, leading to online dating anger, texting anger, and social online networking forums. Hmm, did you ever think you might get angry texting? Facebooking or online dating, maybe you never thought it would happen to you, or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Matters of the mind, where everything on your mind matters best each and every week. And folks, as we always encourage and ask, please continue to send in your emails, your Facebook messages, and Twitter for any show ideas you'd like to hear and possibly guests you'd like to see or not see, but hear on our show. With that said, as we promised, we got a wonderful guest. We've been waiting to get him on for a few weeks now. Finally, our schedules and mesh and not clash. 
and he is a great guest. He is a best-selling author and longtime lawyer. He is Hubert Crouch. How are you, Hubert? How are you on this wonderful day? Peter, I'm doing great. How are you doing in that beautiful area where you live? I am doing exceptional. Uh, Niagara Falls is quite a beautiful area, especially today that the sun is shining and we are not getting uh, rained on for basically the first time in a couple days. And whereabouts well, are you, you know, right now? My wife and I were up there years ago, and we actually went to a concert in Tonawanda. Oh, and, Tonawanda, uh, You know where Tonawanda is, I assume. Right near, yeah, uh, it is considered Buffalo, the Queen City there. And whereabouts are, you, are we calling you today? I know you're on the road. <clears throat> well, I'm in Dallas, Texas, in my home. Oh, wonderful. And I, I believe you split time between there and somewhere else? Yes, uh, Mont Eagle, Tennessee, where the University of the South is, we have a... Uh, a cabin uh, on the bluff up there, and that's actually where I ride. It's uh, an area near where I grew up. I'm a small town guy. I grew up in Tullahoma, Tennessee, kind of a redneck type guy. I uh, went to uh, high school in Massachusetts because uh, they needed a redneck up there for geographical distribution at uh, Andover, Phillips Academy, and then I came back to Vanderbilt. So Tennessee is where I grew up, but Texas is where I practice law. So let me ask you two very important questions before we get into serious stuff. First of all, do you believe that grits should be boiled and not instant? And secondly, do you like Jeff Foxworthy? <laughs> well, the answer to the first one is I remember my cousin Vinny. Yes. Uh, and uh, as a southerner, you know, you can't do the instant. And uh, the second thing is I haven't watched Jeff in, uh, in quite a while, but I used to get a chuckle out of him from time to time. Yes, absolutely true, redneck uh, comedy. So, Hubert, a little bit about yourself. If you could tell our listening audience, how long have you been a practicing attorney, and what is your specialty? Yeah, I'm a trial lawyer. Uh, I do defense work, um, and I've, um, that's what I've done ever since I graduated from uh, Southern Methodist University Law School in 1976. I joined a, um, a large firm uh, upon graduation, and then I started my own law firm, in 1991, and we have about 20-something uh, lawyers, 25 lawyers, and uh, as I say, we specialize in um, high-profile uh, lawsuits. Interesting. So, one of the areas, too, that you write on, and I guess you can say specialize in, is freedom of speech, correct? Yes, and I noticed that uh, you're an adjunct professor of psychology there in, in your area, and I have taught uh, as an adjunct uh, at Southern Methodist University, not in the law school, but in the undergraduate school. I wanted to give undergraduates who are grappling with what they should do with their lives some exposure to pre-law courses and, and what it's actually like to be a lawyer, and so I went and taught and actually designed a pre-law minor. Uh, I taught free speech and First Amendment, legal advocacy, and public speaking uh, to undergraduate students at Southern Methodist University for two and a half years. Absolutely loved the experience. So I guess the question Todd and I were talking about before we brought you on, and I'm sure Todd's going to have some follow-up questions for you, is in today's day and age okay you have the first amendment in the states you have the whole notion of freedom of speech free speech how far or what is too much in today's day and age um 
you know, there's, I guess there's a difference between what the media can say because they have the right to say stuff and post stuff out there. But what about the individual? And overall, we were talking about social, online social media like Facebook and Twitter. What is fair game and what is going too far? Well, I think, uh, Peter, one of the most interesting examples uh, of, you know, I, I use as a, as a quote uh, to kind of introduce my recent book, uh, one man's ceiling is another man's floor, and that's a Paul Simon lyric. I'm a big Paul Simon fan. Um, but in, in recently, to, to specifically to your question, in Baltimore, um, where you had the protest, and I put protest in quotes, um, you know, the question becomes, when did the right to actually express your views under the uh, First Amendment turn into a riot where people were breaking down the doors of a CVS and stealing things? So you have a, an instance where, where something maybe started off as a exercise of First Amendment rights to protest uh, this alleged brutality, and it turns into a looting situation. So it goes over the line, if you will, from the exercise of a very precious right to infringing upon others' rights by stealing their stuff. And so that's, that's a very contemporary example. The example that, that I utilize in my new book, The Word, is... Uh, protesting at the funerals of soldiers, dead soldiers that have served their country. And the idea of protesting to get emphasis or focus on your beliefs that some type of conduct, homosexuality, women's rights, or whatever is not proper biblically, uh, is that an infringement upon the personal rights of the individuals to bury their loved ones in peace? Does that go too far in terms of allowing people to exercise their free speech rights, but at the same time you have rights of privacy? So it's a balancing act, if you will. And um, the Supreme Court has addressed it. I taught about it in uh, my free speech and First Amendment uh, uh, class, very, very difficult many times to draw the line between where free speech should end and other rights begin. Does that respond? Absolutely, because I, and I think, I know Todd has a follow-up question um, along the lines, but I guess, yeah, you, you address it in terms of, uh, there is a difference between free speech and then just being a village idiot, going to somebody's funeral or to a hospital and literally bugging somebody in their time of grief or mourning. Exactly. And it would be, another example uh, would be, if I live in a condominium project and I like to play my music, uh, that's kind of an exercise of a certain right that I have, but I can't play it too loud. So there are, you know, everybody thinks the right to free speech is unfettered, but it has to be fettered. There have to be limits. And they're usually, you know, time, place, manner type of restrictions on it. But it's a question of how you draw those. And the courts have typically drawn those. Uh, they take the First Amendment and then try to make it uh, work, if you will. 
So what I'm hearing then is there are there, there is a certain segment of the population that I would call opportunists. And what those opportunists would do is look at a situation like Baltimore and say, how can I profit from this? How can I take advantage of the fact that law enforcement is distracted so that I can gain something from this? And then there are other opportunists that will take a public funeral to advance their cause. It may be indirectly linked to what what's happening with the burial or maybe the army or whatever the, the the bigger issue is it may be indirectly linked but there are these opportunists that show up and try and 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 make something out of it do you agree that that's uh, I, I absolutely agree i couldn't have said it better myself uh, you know the the pivotal case and one of the most important cases that, that speak to what you just said is the snyder versus phelps case and um, it was a, a religious sect that was protesting uh, at a, a veteran's funeral, and they were protesting their condemnation of homosexuality. And um, the, the family was distraught uh, as a result of their protest. Uh, they were burying their son. And they filed a lawsuit and got a multimillion-dollar judgment. It went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it was overturned. And the basis was this was a, a free speech exercise and that the, uh, the group involved had, had followed local ordinances. They'd gotten a permit. They were a certain distance from the, uh, the funeral service. The dissent emphasized, wait a minute, why should you use this funeral as an opportunity, to use your word, uh, to, to, to draw attention to your view, you have plenty of public places where you can protest, where you can speak your mind and let people know your views regarding homosexuality. Why do you have to use the funeral? There are plenty of other places to do it. Mm -hmm. Response-wise, this is public property that we're, we're, we're speaking on. We're in, entitled to um, choose our place, and we choose this place because we want controversy to draw attention to our message. If we didn't pick a funeral, people might not pay attention to us. I could see, so, it. I could see it being a little bit... I could see it being you, a little you, more... You follow me? That's kind of the issue. Absolutely, and I could see it being more relevant if the, if the protesters were protesting uh, the occupation of Afghanistan or, you know, the Iraq war or something. There's a There's a tenuous link between those the, the funeral of the soldier coming back and then the greater cause which is let's put an end to war but still it's not appropriate yeah exactly and uh th this issue is uh, uh dealt with in more in, in a lot of detail in my book hopefully in a, in a page turning fashion but in the context of women's rights um many or not many some people feel like that that women uh, play too important a role uh, in our society that biblically uh, they should be in roles uh, that are more submissive in, in nature and they have certain scripture uh, in Corinthians and Ephesians and other places that they can point to as support for their position. So one of the issues that is uh, uh, highlighted in the book again, in a thriller fashion, hopefully, uh, is this, this idea of, of women's rights and what is the proper role 
of women in society. Uh, and what does the Bible have to say about that? So, and should the Bible be literally interpreted? Uh, should it be interpreted in accordance with uh, how things were when it was written? Uh, these are all issues that I think are uh, very important, particularly in today's world. Um, so um, I kind of segue off into a little bit of a different area, but, but it is a free speech lawsuit that deals with protests, it deals with women's rights in, 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 in the context that I've just mentioned. Uh, for those that just uh, wanting to know more about our guest, by the way, uh, excellent guest today. His name is Hubert Crouch, author of the new book, which came out April 28th, called The Word, and Hubert specializes in freedom of speech, um, definitely former criminal law, and probably one of the most interesting things with Hubert uh, in terms of expressing stuff is the fact that he deals with a lot of high-stakes issues, which uh, his last book, Cried For No One, was lauded by Kirkus Reviews and Publishers Weekly for its fast-paced drama. So, Hubert, you, you kind of teased about what is in the word, where you've talked about um, some of the issues, and I'm glad you, you, you touched about the issues uh, with women's equality because what's really interesting with this is as you know Todd and up are up here in Canada and we wouldn't even probably hold that conversation with anybody out in the streets because Todd and I would be flogged by women <laughs> to even insinu <laughs> insinuate that they weren't equal to us and it's kind of interesting that it you know there's still a lot of it that this stuff the the conjecture around and I'm gonna just put it right out there. It's almost like hate crimes that people just love and come to life when there is something to do which survive, you know, or sorry, surrounds hate, whether it be racial, religious, gender, or sexual orientation, correct? Exactly, and you know, uh, you look at what is an inspiration for a novel. I'm sure there are many people out there that may be listening that feel like they have a book in them. And, you know, usually you're looking for, you know, inspiration. Where does it come from? Well, the, 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 the women's rights uh, inspiration came from two places, really. Uh, one, I was at a wedding uh, uh, several years back, and one of the verses that was read was a verse about women women being submissive to their husbands. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, that kind of was the message uh, for this particular service. And I kind of caught my head and thought, well, why? Uh, God created both man and woman. Why shouldn't women be on a par with a man? Then, uh, you know, I, I flashed back to my law school days which I said I graduated in 1976, one of my study partners uh, and close friends was brilliant. And she graduated number one in uh, her class and came out, this is 1976, and, and couldn't find or didn't get the kind of reception from the major law firms here in Dallas that she should have. And there could have only been one reason. And uh, she had the courage, along with some of the, her other female classmates, to not just hide and go away, but she brought a lawsuit. Uh, and the 
premier firms that were uh, defendants in the lawsuit settled. And as a result, the Dallas legal community uh, has many very successful female lawyers. That's a good thing. It is. But, but you know, if you look at uh, you know, the countries around the world and you see so many uh, that beat down women, and those are usually the ones that are <laughs> the least successful in every way possible. Women play such an important part in the world. I, I know from my own personal experience uh, in my law firm, my two closest advisors were both female. When I wanted a, a good opinion and a different perspective, that's who I went to. Uh, when I'm in my writing, uh, we're talking about writing novels, you know, I, when I write a chapter, I'm usually downstairs and I'm looking out over the valley when I write, I email it up to my wife. She's honest, candid, smart, and she sees things from a, a little different perspective than I do, which is very valuable. But one example is if I'm writing a scene about a woman, and there are lots of them in there, uh, what she thinks, how she reacts, how she dresses for an occasion, my wife's input is invaluable. So I look at my wife as a, uh, not only is she my wife and I'm crazy about her, but she's my partner in this in terms of uh, doing things. And I think, uh, you know, you're talking about being in Canada. It's just still amazing to me that, that some people really do believe that women should have inferior roles. Uh, and I don't get that. <laughs> well, as, long really as, get it. as long as you share the royalties with your wife on all your future books, I think. Well, uh, yeah, well, well, yeah absolutely. Um, I'm going to get a bit controversial here for a second. There, okay. um, it's my it's my deep held belief that. Uh, whether you're a bully or whether you're a, a religious fanatic, when you can't convince another of your point, you result to violence because you have nothing left in your 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 toolkit. So you, you feel frustrated. You can't get your point across. So you, you act out in some sort of physical way, whether it's to harm another or keep another from getting their viewpoint out. Do you agree? Well, yeah, I, th I, I think we have seen that. Uh, particularly in, 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 in other, other countries, I think, in, in, in Pakistan and, and some other places where women have tried to get their viewpoints out. And, uh, you know, if people are saying you shouldn't speak, and if that doesn't work, then, then go after them physically. Right. Now, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a sad, it's a sad commentary. And, uh, you know, and, and so absolutely. I think, I think you're right about that. What we're experiencing here in Canada, and, and you may be experiencing it there in the U.S., is that people are bringing these long-held religious beliefs into their new country and wanting the new country to adopt them, uh, you know, just as they are. Now, I understand that other countries have other laws and differing viewpoints, especially on women and gender and, and roles. Um it's 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 tricky because we understand that that's been their culture for thousands of years, but it doesn't really fit into the modern expectations of the way our country runs up here. Our country is is somewhat fair and balanced, and and allowing others the right to speak and allowing women to hold whatever position they want. Um, I'm curious for your viewpoint on that if you've been experiencing that. Well, or you know. I, 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 perfect example in my mind is what went on in Paris with Charlie Hebdo. Hmm. You have cartoonists that under free speech, which, which Paris has, or France has, uh, they want to, you know, 
convey a, a, a political satire message. And as a result, you know, some people say, well, that's against our religion. You can't draw. You can't, you can't do this. And they say, well, under France, France's laws, I can. And they end up dead. What does that say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, is it, what does it say that 21 Coptic Christians who were beheaded uh, on a beach because they don't believe what other people believe? Credible to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand that. Um, how you can do that under any religious belief. So I think you raise a good point. I mean, you're looking at the laws of your country, Canada, or you're looking at the laws of France, and you say, okay, we have free speech. And, you know, if you're practicing Methodist and somebody says something about your religion that you don't like, well, you just have to turn, a, turn your eyes and say, well, they have a right to say that. But you don't have to have a right to go out and go after them. Right. That's their prerogative. But the, then you get people that come from other countries where free speech is not a right. They're not used to that. And they, but they migrate to another country, and they expect to be able to use the, 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 the moral code of their old country in their new country. Which, to me, you come into a new country, it's kind of like, well, I've got to adapt a little bit. If I want to take the benefits of this new country, I've got to mold my behavior a little bit. Right? Yep. I mean, kind of the way I look at it. Well, uh, Hubert, one of the things that we're not talking about, which I think is really important at this point, is your book, The Word. So, for those, well, we that... kind of are. I mean, I, I sort of like the, I, I sort of like the conversation. You know, I don't want to. Uh, the Word is it, it's a fun book. It deals with these issues. It deals with religious extremism. That's good. It we deals wanna, with free speech. We want uh, you to talk a little more about it, about the characters, kind of that stuff, because we want our listeners to go out and buy it, because it's such a good book. Yeah, well, I, I think if you're interested in the issues that I think y'all have really brought out beautifully today, and hopefully I've responded to, you're going to love this book. So, uh, you know, the book basically is about a, a religious extremist sect, and the leader uh, is a guy named Ezekiel Shaw. He's kind of an amalgam of uh, a number of these uh, um, religious cult leaders. Uh, Peter, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, I went back and looked at kind of the personality traits as a, as a, as a doctor of psychology, I'm sure you'd be interested in. But these, you look at the, you know, the, the Jim Joneses and the David Koresh's and these people, and you think, how, uh, you know, in Scientology, you know, how, how are they able to control other people's minds to get them to do what they want them to do. How and what kind of personality traits do these people have? And so you look at the narcissistic thing. They kind of have that going on. They're charming. They can, you know, make people like them. But they're manipulative. They use people for their own interests, and they don't really care about them. So what I did in creating that character is I did a lot of research on, you know, the kind of personality traits that these people have that can go out and, and basically say, I know I have the way, and you need to follow me. I know the word, and you need to listen to me, and you need to do what I say. Why do these other people stand in line and say, you're right, what do I do now? You tell me. So that's one of the things in the book that, that's explored. Um, 
The other thing that I found just fascinating, I, I took the Bible and read it from uh, Genesis to Revelation with study guides in hand. I had a Jewish scholar for the Old Testament uh, named Kugel, who taught at Harvard and I think now is in, in Israel. And then for the New Testament, I, I used a guy from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill who's chairman of the Religious Studies Department with, a, with an eye toward what is the role of women as depicted in the Bible. And, you know, it was a fascinating journey, at times confusing, but uh, I, I'd never done that before, uh, and it took a while. But uh, as a result, I think I was able to get a kind of a grasp on where things were. And, 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 and you know, and, and that's something that it doesn't drag in the book, but it's something that I was able to, to draw upon when I wrote the book. So, uh, yeah, that's what it's about. Uh, it's quite a bit different from my first book, Cried for No One which was actually inspired by a lawsuit I handled years ago involving uh, a macabre grave robbery. Under the c cover of darkness, a young girl's grave was robbed, uh, and that was the inspiration. The book's not based on that. The characters are different. The setting's different. The outcome's different. Everything's different. But, you know, it was, it was a, a different thing, but, the, but, but they're both page-turners. And people love the first book, and the reviews on the second one are fantastic. Kirkus loved the second one. I mean, I think the response is, has been very positive to both. The characters are, it's a, it's a standalone sequel, the word is, and so you, it's kind of like the series that I like to binge on television, where you get to know the characters like you did in True Detective, and you keep following them. And uh, that's, what, uh, that's what I've done with these two books. Awesome, awesome. And just to follow up, uh, what is it about leaders in these cults that get people following and doing really absurd things? Two things, psychological coercion and definitely charisma or charismatic leaders. So, Hubert, we are out of time. Before we let you go, my friend, you're a wonderful guest. Absolutely, absolutely great things uh, you've offered us. And your book is called The Word. Everybody out there, definitely read this. It is a page turner. How can people get it, Hubert? Yeah, you can get it uh, Kindle, Nook, if you like digital, iTunes. Uh, if you like digital, you can order print copies from um, Amazon or pick them up at Barnes & Noble. So it's uh, pretty widely available. Same with Cried for No One. And, man, it's been fun being on this show. I could talk for another 30 minutes or an hour about this. It's a very good, very good time. So, Hubert, one last thing I need to know before I let you go. Since you're from Tennessee, who's your choice, Elvis or Johnny Cash? Elvis, that's easy for me. I grew up with Elvis. Uh, you know, uh, love Forrest Gump. That was my time period. And I have a guitar, 1964 Fender Mustang. Played in bands forever. Uh, frustrated musician. Uh, but loved Elvis. And then the Beatles took over. And uh, just one last little tidbit. The two titles are both a, a, a hat tip to the Beatles. The first one is off the uh, Revolver album, which is actually for no one is the title of the song. I, I called it Cried for No One. The second, the word, is off Rubber Soul. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, hats off to the fabulous Fab Four. Well, we are obviously going to have to have you back to talk not only about your books and your career, but maybe some of your failed bands. And, and uh, you know, we're big music lovers around here. So definitely we'll have you back, Hubert. Well, thank you all so much. And if you, if you need my email address, I'd love to, uh, you know, listen in on this. Should I hang on to give it to you or give it to you now? Absolutely. We're going to go to a quick break, and uh, we'll uh, connect up with you to uh, be able to spread the word about this wonderful show. And as I 
copy one of your book titles there. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. We'll be right back. More Matters of the Mind right around the corner. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross Team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. back to Mental Health Matters with Dr. Peter Sacco on radio that doesn't suck.com and rtds.ca. Well, hello there and welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us. Each and every week, that would be myself, Peter Sacco, and my co-host, Todd Miller. And joining us is our special guest and now official family member of Matters of the Mind. That would be Ellen Campbell from Abuse Hurts. So how are you doing today, Ellen? And what is I'm, new with Abuse Hurts? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. The move is the worst part's over. Now it's just unpacking. So we're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> yeah. Normally, when uh, when I move, um, I the first thing I do is set the TV and the stereo up <laughs> so that I've got some entertainment while I get to the the unpacking of boxes. But uh, so it's good to hear that the the worst is over and you're just getting down to I guess setting the offices back up and unpacking day to day stuff. Exactly. Yeah, we are especially our warehouse because it's still full of furniture and all the stuff on the racking and everything. But you know what, as I say, the move is done and um, 
we're starting to actually fill orders. We're going to go down Friday, and we've got we're really backlogged with a lot of orders from women in shelters waiting for their bedding and things. So we don't want to uh, keep them waiting. Um, I was looking at your website today, and uh, two things really jumped out at me. The first was the Delivering Hope program sponsored by FedEx. Um, I, could you talk for a few minutes about what that program is and, and how valuable it is to have FedEx's support? Yes, that's really one of our key programs. It's for women and children that are coming out of shelters, and uh, we distribute product. It's all brand-new bedding or housewares. And, of course, um, in the past, they would use get used bedding, but because of the bed bug problem, they can't do that anymore. And so all of ours is brand new. Bed Bath & Beyond are one of our major sponsors on that. And, of course, FedEx is the big sponsor of the whole program. And so we ship out up to 5,000 items a month from our warehouse. And then the other thing that, and I think I explained last week, was I would give the bedding, but there would be no bed. So now we're getting a um, furniture, we have a furniture warehouse in the same place where we're going to be able to provide everything. And then on Mondays, we do makeovers where women come in and get their hair and their makeup and their nails and a new outfit and everything. Um, that won't be starting up to the fall because we have to renovate an area. And thank goodness, Home Depot have offered uh, to renovate that for us. So that, pro- that part of the program won't be ready to the fall. So, Ellen, I, when we had you on last time, since then, um, I had actually a couple of listeners that had written into me. And first of all, they didn't, had no idea that it even existed, Abuse Hurts. And then it was really <laughs> interesting. Todd and I were at the Niagara Comic Con this past weekend, and we brought it up several times that Abuse Hurts was part of our uh, on our show now and that stuff. And they had no idea. So, I guess one of the, the, the easiest... Uh, Abuse Hurts 101 questions is that came up is, how do people get involved with it? Well, I guess one of the confusing things uh, might be that we've always gone by Canadian Centre for Abuse Awareness, but it's a mouthful. So the ad agency really was the one that said, why don't you start using Abuse Hurts? Our official name is Canadian Centre for Abuse Awareness, but our branding now is abusehurts.ca. And um, people just need to go on our website. We're always looking for volunteers. Of course, they have to have a police check. Um, funding, all our funding comes from corporate sponsors or individuals. We, we don't take any ongoing government funding because then we couldn't lobby for change. Mm. Um, and so we have some good corporate sponsors like FedEx and TD Bank. And now Home Depot have come on board. We've, we've, you know, we've been around 22 years now, so we've... We've made some good relationships over the years. And I want to emphasize again, which I think I do every show, is that it's not just for women and children. It's also for men. And, for instance, there's a new program that I don't know if you're aware of called the Men's Centre that opened up in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And they they give uh, free counselling for men that have been traumatized, you know, as children. Uh, They try to do, they try to work with the families, for instance, if there's separation and there's, you know, parent alienation, a lot of those things. They are there for men. And we're doing a conference in um, October, and I can get you the details the next time. Uh, it's a three-day conference for male victims. Um, so when I, when I talk about the warehouse, I, I talk about women, but it, it's also for men. That sounds really intriguing, and uh, as someone who suffered uh, from parent alienation, um, you know, and I fought very hard to, to gain my rights back. That would have been a wonderful group for me to participate in. And I think, uh, 
even now it might be something that I would like to participate in to, to share my experience of what I went through and what the remedies were. And just, again, just to help other men, uh, because men typically are, are more reserved and more, hey, I'm a tough guy. I have to take this. I can't cry. I can't let my feelings out. And I think um, the more men speak up to say it's okay to break down, it's okay to seek support for this very challenging time in your life, the better, I think. Absolutely. And as you probably know, it's very isolating lots of times. So that's one of the real benefits from the men's center. You'd be with other men that are coping with similar problems. And I'm familiar with parent alienation, and I'm afraid it's it's something that's a really serious problem. Uh, many times the women, because they're angry, uh, deliberately keep the children from the fathers. Sometimes it's necessary if it's been abuse of some sort going on, but many times it's just a way to get back. Absolutely. And the father still has to pay the support, but he doesn't get to see the children. And actually, my ex-husband and I, we went through that, and his daughter uh, wouldn't speak to him. When he finally went to court and finally got you know, custody or joint custody, which was a long and expensive exercise, mm-hmm. by that time, his daughter wouldn't speak with him. So it's a, and of course, you know, yourself, Peter, you can confirm this, that uh, children, that even though it may not be true, it's their reality. So it's very hard to convince a child that all the things that were told to her weren't true. Well, absolutely. I, you know, you get to this level of learned helplessness, where if somebody tells you something enough times, you start to believe in it as the ingrained truth that this is my reality, this is who I am. And especially, you know what, Alan, when it's coming from a, a role model significant other, your, namely your parents, which is, you know, the highest kind of source of affirmation in the land, when you're told this by your parents, this is, you know, bad. And to make it even more horrific is the fact that research has shown that the greatest uh, trauma any human being can feel, both man and woman, is to be rejected by their mothers. It's the mothers that have the greatest, um, you know, influence on the child. Younger uh, really creates trauma. Well, yes, and then I I don't know where his daughter is today, but you know as well, Peter, that that daughter will be seeking uh, what she didn't get from her father. She'll be seeking it in other men, and it really opens her up to be you know, really set her up to maybe be in some pretty abusive situations. Um, I was also looking at your website, and this is this is really, it, it caught my eye. And, and at a time when a woman, uh, a survivor of abuse, moves on, uh, manages to get out of the house, and they're starting again, uh, money isn't always uh, free-flowing. There's always a cash crunch. And I noticed that there, on your website it says there are disability tax credits that can be made available to survivors. Uh, That's something that's really important, especially when someone's starting again and and they don't have a lot to go on. Right, right. And the person that was in charge of that isn't here right now, so I'm not terribly familiar with it. But by all means, it is on our website and people need to apply because there are benefits if, uh, you know, obviously it has to be verified. But there are some benefits for sure through the disability tax credit. And I wasn't even aware of it myself until about a year ago. So by all means, people need to go on our website, abusehurts.ca, and there's a contact information there, and um, contact the person and the phone number, and they can give them more details. And there's also a great video that people can see as well, just to give them a a high-level overview of what's available. 
Yes, that's great. You know more about my website than I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, Alan, before we let you go for all those listening again, the best way to get involved with Abuse Hurts is how? Just go to abusehurts.ca and just, um, you know, it's just a general information line, and we will get in touch with them. By all means, be happy to have anybody come on board. And you're all over social media, which is great. So if people are great social media users, by all means, check them out online. We will catch up with you next week, Ellen, and with more great news about what Abuse Hurts and the Canadian Center for Abuse Awareness is up to. Thank you again. This Perfect. Fr- Thanks so much. And Have we'll a good week. You too. You're okay. listening to Matters of the Mind. Bye-bye. On Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll be right back. You can of the mind and all I can say is thank you so much folks for tuning in you make our show successful positive and uplifting each and every week it is all because of you that we exist and keep your questions coming in to me or your comments to Peter Sacco who is me uh, that would be me myself and I on Facebook and you can also reach me on Twitter and also through my website I've seen that some of you are sending me messages through there so I eventually get them through my publicist but the best way is right through Facebook and or Twitter and also as I say each and every week we got great guests because they're the ones that you want us to have on our show the different subject matter which is great and we got a great guest next week courtesy of Todd Yes, I, uh, a gentleman I ran into on Facebook, a guy by the name of uh, Jeff Liberty, who you may recognize. He's a CBC personality, has a radio show uh, down east in Canada. He's on, and uh, he's had some issues with depression, and he's going to come on and tell us his entire story so that we can, again, learn from another person that's had uh, some depressive episodes and, and what he went through and how he got back to where he is right now, and he's making an impact. Uh, he's been doing a lot of uh, school visits uh, with with other survivors of depression to uh, to just get the word out and again stomp the stigma as Joe Pantoliano is uh, so keen on saying. Absolutely, and folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Matters of Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll catch you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Reach him on his website, petersacco.com, or you can reach him through Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. We really thank you for listening. Reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at at listenuptalk. We'll catch you next week. You don't need no kids. That man is not your man. And that's why I'm...